This is Megan Oyster, and you're listening to Follow Your Spirit. Spear family, I'm here with uh, my colleague Jordan Small. Jordan, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, we've been joined by Monica SNY the past couple times, but unfortunately, she has come down uh, with a little illness, so we wish her well and hope to have her uh, not too soon because we're only doing this when there's new yeah. <laughs> spirit news. So hopefully, we don't hear from Monica for the rest of the offseason. Um, but Jordan, you and I uh, agreed to do a podcast every time there was big news in the spirit world. Um, we didn't think it was going to be this quickly, and then we didn't think there was going to be two things to talk about. Yeah. So definitely a heavy off season so far for the spirit. Let's start with um, the more organized of the transactions, uh, and that is the Megan Oyster trade. Uh, Megan Oyster goes to Boston uh, in exchange for Christy Mewis, Casey Coleman uh, in the number one spot in the distribution ranking order. We give up Oyster. We also give up the number three and nine overall picks in the upcoming draft. I think that tidbit got glossed over uh, in in people talking about this trade. First, just general feelings about the trade when you heard it. I think this was, this was the most comfortable I felt after the trade. I think that after the first two, it was, this is kind of a, a little bit more respectable trade. I think that there's clearly a move going on with the, with the distribution order, but Oyster had kind of fallen out of Gabara's uh, kind of favor. It seemed like over the last half of the season, so I think that uh, this is a good pickup, got a good midfielder, um, another good center back, and we moved up in the distribution ranking. So overall, I think it was um, fairly even for both sides. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the best way um, of really explaining it is it just felt okay. I mean, it was disappointing that we're losing Megan Oyster, a great player and a great personality. Um, but when you looked at it, you were like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not really mad at this. Um, okay. n- not the way that I was um, with Nair and especially Ali. The one thing, so here's what I'm curious to know. A lot of people were saying that they thought that Casey Coleman and Megan Oyster together is a fair one-on-one trade. Would you, would you agree with that? I, I mean, I don't know Casey Coleman all that well. She did play in every game for Boston last year, so I guess that she clearly is a good player. But um, I don't know enough about her to necessarily compare her to Megan Oyster, but I guess if people are saying it, sure. it's probably true. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's roll with that being true. Yeah. If we're looking at that being an equal trade, Casey Coleman for Megan Oyster, that means we're saying that Christy Mewis is worth two first-round draft picks. When healthy. Yeah, and that's that's the part that I felt where when I looked at it, I felt the same way you did. This is an okay trade, but when I looked at it, I still kind of feel like the spirit still didn't get the best out of it. 
You know, I still feel like Boston got the best out of this trade, even if it's just by a little margin. You know, Christy Mewis, when healthy, is going to be a good asset, but who knows what talent can come from the number three, number nine overall picks. There's two first-round picks. There's there's typically a lot of talent there. Um, I'm not sure. The distribution ranking, for those that are – it was just a swap, right? We went from number two to number one. So. Yeah, we get we get first dibs in that versus uh, the back seat, but I'm not really I don't really consider that to really be a, a part of the trade. It's sort of uh, fodder that they threw in there. Have we heard anything new? I guess college is still going on. I guess you know we won't hear much anything. But um, I mean, I feel like number three and number nine those are good spots to have in a draft. Do you think Christy Mewis warrants two first round picks? Um. I th- again, I think if she can she can be healthy, that she um, is a really good player. She has been with the national team a couple years ago. Uh, she's a good midfielder, and she brings a lot of um, attacking presence to the team. But like you said, you never know with two first-round draft picks whether that is going to be something that's going to be a bust or not. I mean... That's something you kind of take a risk on, and I guess they just felt that they could find a better um, talent in Christy Mewis than developing somebody. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the way that you have to hope that Coach Cavera is looking at it, and that he's um, that he saw something in Christy Mewis that he sees that he can work with, that he can develop, um, and that maybe you can't always get that when uh, when getting a player from the draft couple things about Megan Oyster. Um, unfortunately, I just don't have the time to, like, watch all the games again and see, like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, keep a tally. This is the one thing I wish that soccer – well, I know that, I mean, like, Premier League and all that sort of stuff, there's deeper analytics. But I really wish there was more access to, um, like, metrics and stats in women's soccer, especially on the defensive side and especially, like, wins above replacement, which I think is one of the most valuable stats in all of sports – Baseball has it the best, I think, and then then basketball has a decent one. Football is, is still bad at it, um, and I haven't I haven't even seen an attempt at an equivalent for, in soccer. Wins above replacement being how many wins is a player worth? Should you su- should you replace them with the average performing player at their position? Um, so, like, if we were to put the average defender into uh, Megan Oyster's position, how many wins do we gain or lose from that transaction? You know, that I think gives a that will show both franchises and you know decision makers and front offices. Maybe they can see a little bit. They can see some maybe the the math side of the value of the players that they have. Um, and I think that when it comes to like end of the year awards and stuff like that. Um, you know, when you have certain opinions about certain goalkeepers, maybe if you had that stat, uh, you know, you would be able to uh, make a better opinion. Jordan gets that reference. I don't know if everybody else. Yeah. With one thing I thought was interesting with the 15 games that Megan Oyster played. Of course, we're only talking about one defender um, out of the four, but with the 15 games that she started, seven goals were given up um, when she was paired up with LeBay. Uh, and that was through eight games, and through seven games with Weiss, only six goals um, were, uh, or six goals were um, were conceded. What what I when I did the math on that, and I figured it all out. I really I'm really interested. Uh, maybe I'll find time sometime between now and the preseason to to geek out on stats. But I'm interested to see which defenders goalkeeper combination maybe showed a little bit more 
vulnerability, strength, what what have you. Because the next thing we're going to talk about, Jordan, is the injury that went to one of my favorite spirit players, Kelsey Weiss. I heard it through you. Um, that's how I get most of my news now, actually, is like log into the, the spirit or the Fall Your Spirit uh, Twitter handle. I see a DM from you. You give me the bad news, and then I go to Twitter to go find go find the sources for it. The, where, where are the Jets again? Newcastle. Newcastle. That's right. Um, it looked like she just landed awkwardly uh, uh, yep. on her leg. The question that you and I both had when we were talking in in the direct DM is, what does this mean for LaBay? Let's say LaBay hasn't mentally made a decision on what she wants to do with her career in 2017 do you think that if you were her would you feel optimistic about your opportunity to start for this team next year yes I think that it is a lot easier to have an established goalkeeper come in and or somebody that knows the back line already knows the system I think that's a lot easier to come in and play and say picking somebody up from the draft, picking somebody up maybe out of the distribution order or via trade, what ha- have you. Um, I think it's easier for somebody that's already been there to make a play for the starting spot. Yeah. The torn ACL, depending on when Weiss has surgery, um, it would take her about four weeks to get mo- to get to be able to put weight on it, become um, uh, you can move around on it again. Um, so then I would leave her then a couple months after that to maybe get, um, back up to form. I don't, I don't play soccer, so I don't, I know your legs are pretty much all yeah. of it. In your experience, goalkeepers, uh, coming back from injury, is this, is that a normal timetable you think? Um, well, ACL injuries in general, um, usually six to eight months. I know Erin McLeod tore her ACL in, I want to say March or April. I'm not 100% sure on that. It was during CONCACAF um, qualifying, and she just started training again in the beginning of November. So that was just over six months yeah. about. Okay. And um, so, yeah, for... Caprice, when I figured it out, it was about April she'd come back. So with Weiss, that'd be between May and June. Sure. So that's, I mean, that's halfway through your season already. So that's not um, not the greatest injury to have. Yeah. Hopefully LeBay hasn't made any decisions yet. Yeah. Um, I'm super disappointed. I think, I felt like Kelsey Weiss was really starting to like come to form. Um, yeah. And show how great she was in those, and um, you know, in the latter part of this season. Um, you know, looking at how they pair up uh, with metrics and stats, she looked. You know, she is definitely one of the better goalkeepers in the league, but does not get that credit. Um, so super disappointed, but I'm sure that uh, when she comes back, ho- hopefully LeBay sticks around. Starts, Weiss comes in as a good backup, and then Weiss will take the job. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I know there's LeBay fans that's not, out there. That's not how uh, Jim Gabara works. Yeah, that's true. Okay, going back to October 19th, um, when the Spirit exercised options on nine players and offered contracts to six, the, they exercised options on Weiss, Farkasen, Williams, Stengel, Jensen, Lohman, Kleiner, Oyster, and Johnson. Weiss is injured. Oyster's been traded. They offered con- they offered extensions to Church, Didasco, Benini, Nairn, Houston, Ordega. 
Church and Houston both resigned. Benini has left for Spain. Um, and we have not heard yet um, about Didasco or Dega. I imagine um, should Didasco feel comfortable to play again in 2017, I'm sure that, that um, I anticipate that to be a contract or an extension that she accepts. Um, then, of course, the Federation players, LeBay, Zdorsky, Krieger, Matheson, and Dunn. We've heard the worst news about Krieger. And still kind of curious on if Dunn's going to bring her talents to Europe. There, you know, some of us have been speculating that maybe Matheson could be could could, uh, could consider retirement. We anticipate a little bit to look elsewhere. Should Weiss have been the starter, but now that's not the case, does that change? Jordan, going all the way back to the final, where yes. you and I were saying LeBay was the only one we knew for sure was going to consider leaving, uh, or that we felt for sure. Uh, of course, we don't have any insider information, but from what we could tell, was the only person that really had reason to. Um, and now we've uh, we've lost one player, you know, to injury. Maybe we'll say two. If we want to, you know, consider Caprice. We don't know where her timeline is. Um, and then Benini, Nairn, and Krieger have all left. That's five players, uh, or I'm sorry, with Oyster as well. So that's five to six players that have either left or sort of uncertain at where they're going to be at the start of the season. How differently do you feel about this team right now? I the last time we did this. <laughs> I, I said that I still think we can make the playoffs. It it really depends on what happens with the Federation players. I think that's the make-or-break part of this whole thing. I think if LeBay comes back, you still have a, a quality goalkeeper back there. I think if Matheson comes back, you still have that. Um, you can plug her in for Nairn and still have a really good midfield. And I think if Dunn sticks around... Um, then you still have a good attacking presence, especially with uh, Stengel over in Australia scoring some goals. <laughs> Looks good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Stengel's performing uh, down under, so um, it's it's good to see that. You you thought that maybe Oyster being traded could possibly mean that their confidence Zdorsky will remain. Yeah, um, I, I have high hopes for that. I mean. Um, we saw that Church was resigned, uh, and options or Estelle Johnson's option was um, exercised for 2017. So you have at least those two coming back. But I think that uh, Zdorsky will stick around, hopefully. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this off with talking about the Spirit organization, not including the players. So as a franchise, as ownership, as management, as a staff, I have met and talked with and become friends with many people on that staff now, the, the attending the game, all wonderful people. Coach Cabrera is a very friendly guy. He's very open every time I talk to him. When I ask him questions um, that maybe he wouldn't answer in front of a microphone but say, hey, just off the record, I'm curious – uh, he doesn't like pour a soul to me, but he does sort of, he does admit one way or the other on like, you know, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that, you know, of course I'm being very ambiguous about that. I don't know Lynch. I don't really even know his reputation because this was my first year. Um, I didn't, I didn't know about the pattern of the no pride, um, no pride nights and stuff like that. Um, my only, the only thing, the only two things I know about him is, before the anthem debacle, I heard nothing but praise about him. 
after, or from the players, that is, uh, about players like looking at him as a fatherly figure and they really enjoyed playing for him. And then after the anthem, they didn't say anything bad about him, but they stopped saying those nice things. Whitney Church has a Twitter handle that she never uses. In 2016, Whitney Church used her Twitter account to do one thing. There's one tweet from Whitney Church in 2016, and that is her retweeting the statement from the Washington players after the anthem debacle. Her other, her last tweet before that goes all the way back to December 2015. And I only point that out because it really had to mean something. It really had to be significant in that clubhouse, not only for them to come forward with a statement, but for someone who, on my podcast, said one of the best things that a player can be doing for this game is to be on social media. Not use social media, but then get on social media to make sure that she helped push out that message. It's such a little thing from a player that doesn't get a whole lot of attention from around the league. You know, plenty of us around here know who she is and we, we enjoy her. I only I use her an example because of all the players that have a social media, she just doesn't use hers. Oh, and then one more thing I want to add. Of all the, of all the teams, the Spirit, I feel like, have what seems like the most the worst main, maintained website of the entire league. And there's something, as a consumer, it's discouraging. All those things considered of what I just said. Can the spirit organization, going into 2017, miss the playoffs and still grow as an organization? I don't even think that they can... I don't think they'll grow as an organization even... Um, after making the the championship, and that's that's saying something. Yeah. I I really think that they offended a lot of people, and people that have even been there for four years. And if it's hard to break a bond like that, but there are people out there that that really feel um, hurt by the organization by this whole season, not just the the um, trades, although that was kind of the tipping point, but. Um, I think it depends less on how they perform this season and more about how the organization as a whole presents themselves to the average fan for the se- uh, the 2017 season. All right, Washington Spirit, 10 games, average 3,782, 3,782 um, average attendance at the Plex. Do you think that goes significantly one way or the other in 2017? Or do you think that will, you know, give or take two, 250 going into, 20, going into the next season? Can they, can they maintain – is the Spirit following so – I mean, the Spirit Squadron have been very vocal about how upset they are yes. um, about not only losing some of the players but in the fashion that they are. And even they have admitted, but I'm still going to go back. I may be drunk out of my mind, but I'm still going to be there. My fiance is looking at me really concerned. That, I'm talking about the, that's the spirit squadron. and what's, I'm not going to be drunk out of my mind there because I'll be on a motorcycle. Do you think they can maintain that going into 2017? Do you think the fan base is strong enough? Or is it going to be a season where Orlando, Portland, and Seattle bring in numbers and everything else sort of underperforms? I think that you'll see a dip in season ticket holder uh, amounts, but I think the uh, average fan probably won't um, really see the difference in the team 
I think a lot of the people that come in are actually for the star players on the opposing teams just because of how they market to younger children. So I think that we'll still see a strong a strong attendance number. I They may struggle to get to what they had last year, but I don't think we'll see it dip significantly. I will, um, I'm going to be doing my part in trying to organize a large group outing to the first home game uh, and show my support for uh, for these players. Because it seems like with every, I, I guess maybe it's good they got the, the the worst of it done early. You know, like, you know, if, if Krieger happened like now, all right, we lost a couple players and then boom, Krieger. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe it would have been easier to handle because we would have had some good deals already behind us. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if there's any good way to, easy way to handle that. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh let's play a silly prediction game that doesn't matter, but I love playing these silly things. So, um, looking at the looking at who's who's uh left, knowing that what uh, who's left, like it's a like a firing line. Thinking about what the spirit could use, who's an asset on his team, or who could move easy in the the league. I don't know. Let's take a shot in the dark on if there's news on another trade. Who do you think goes? I didn't prime you for this question, so I apologize for putting you on the spot. If Philadelphia had a team, I would say that Shayna Williams would be. Yeah. There isn't. So. I, I would say Ordega or Estelle. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I want to hear your reasoning on Ordega. Okay. I have a specific spot in mind that I think she would go. Portland. Because I think, well, she's, uh, Mark Parsons originally brought her in. And I think that he knows what she's capable of doing. So that would be a good spot for her to go. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say specifically other than Portland it would where I think she'd go um, just because she does have that inconsistency. But I think that when she's on, she can be one of the top forwards in the league. I agree wholeheartedly. And one of the things that goes um, often unmentioned about uh, Francisco Ortega, she's one of the most accurate shooters that the Spirit have ever had. Um, I think last year she, her shooting accuracy was uh, close to 70%. This season it was 67%, so you know, 12 shots on goal out of 18 shots. Um, only Diana Matheson had um, as good of a uh, shot on goal percentage. I'm wondering if there's something happening because I – I think if she was planning to stay, I feel like that's something we would have heard by now. I don't really know her history as a player and with this team. I know that, you know, like you mentioned, Parsons brought her in. Um, but when I look at the, um, you know, when I look at the players that were offered extensions, uh, Church and Houston happened sort of in a, in a Tommy manner. Benini left almost immediately, um, you know, as they this came out. Then, boom, Benini said that she was going to Spain. Nairn got traded. Didasco with the injury, I sort of that sort of makes sense why we hadn't heard any official news yet. Ordega is the only other player in that group that we haven't heard about, and I think that I wonder if that's because they're shopping options for her. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts. All right, we went a little longer than I anticipated, but uh, all good conversation, of course. Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not, ups- I'm not angry like I was <laughs> the last couple times we were talking about this stuff. So uh, I guess I can't say the off season is getting better, but it's definitely it's getting a little easier. Uh, all right, Jordan, thanks for joining me, and we'll uh, we'll do this again, hopefully not too soon, but we'll do this yeah. again the next time there's big news to come. Yeah, we have to stop meeting like this. Uh, okay, so as you were listening to that, you're probably thinking, uh, but wait, we have heard news about Ordega. Uh, we know. 
I wanted the audience to hear the conversation we were having about Ortega the night before we heard about her news. Obviously, we're both um, excited that she's going to be back. Um, I think that she's a huge asset to the team and just contributes more to um, just the, the potent offense that uh, we can have, especially if Dunn ends up sticking around. I asked Jordan to send me her thoughts on Ordega. Here's what she had to say. So Spirit re-signed Franny Ordega to a new contract. Uh, so she will be with the Spirit for the 2017 NWSL season. Um, I think this is a good uh, signing for the Spirit. It gives them more depth up front. Uh, especially if Crystal Dunn leaves, I think it gives them a fast attacking forward. So when Franny can uh, produce and when she's effective, I think she's one of the most dangerous forwards in the league. Uh, her on-goal percentage is on-goal shot percentage is fantastic. Right now, she is over participating in the Africa Cup of Nations for Nigeria, and uh, she scored in the opening game for uh, Nigeria against Mali, and I think that's showing good progress. She's continuing to grow in the offseason, and I think uh, with her, Stangle, and Williams even, that could be a really good forward lineup for the Spirit going into next season. All right, Spirit fam, that's it. We'll see you next time when something else crazy, upsetting, or fun happens with Washington Spirit. Let it rip, 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 let it r